0: What's up everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Jimmy Mullen Podcast. Today my friends, I'm going to be giving my thoughts on two of the more recent Disney Plus projects to come out from Marvel Studios, the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, We have She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, uh, the newest full-fledged series to come out from Marvel, along with a special presentation, uh, their first TV special, their first Halloween special, Werewolf by Night. Uh, I would have talked about She-Hulk in the previous episode uh, as well as Werewolf by Night. However, um, I realized that there was a lot that I wanted to talk about with She-Hulk and the episode was already a little long as is with all the news topics I was discussing along with my thoughts on new music and things like that. Uh, And I also had not seen Werewolf by Night yet even though it had been out. Um, But I have since watched it. So I'm going to be giving my thoughts on that as well as She-Hulk in this episode. Unfortunately, I don't have any She-Hulk merchandise or Werewolf by Night merchandise. So I included characters that were featured uh, in the She-Hulk series. Uh, I have a bunch of stuff here. Of course, you know, if you watch the video version of this on YouTube, you get a bit of a bonus, I guess. I've got my Disney Infinity Hulk along with a superhero Squad Burger King toy from like 2009 or something. Uh, it's like a keychain thing, but you also like push this button and Hulk's arms move up and down and things like that. And the button's stuck on mine. I have to like push it. And then, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a bit of an old toy, but I found that in a bin, uh, when I was preparing for this. Also the Avengers Endgame, McDonald's happy meal Hulk, uh, along with this McDonald's Hulk from like I don't know, probably around 2010, 2011, probably something like that. He's, like, pushing his fist together with, like, a little lever on the back. And then these little minifigures of uh, Daredevil and Abomination uh, that my brother had when he was little uh, that I held on to. So, um, yeah, that's that's that. I figured I'd just talk about those for a second. Um, as for She-Hulk at law Uh, She-Hulk is a character that I was not very familiar with at all going in. Like I knew who She-Hulk was. I knew it was a relative of the Hulk and she's a lawyer and that was all I knew. I knew I knew I also knew about like the fourth wall stuff kind of like with uh, what they got going on with Deadpool. So, you know, I kind of had a feeling of what I was getting into Um, and I also knew that the show was going to be a bit more comedy focused and like kind of like tropes focused rather than. You know, like a full on action show like we've gotten from other projects previously in the last uh, year and a half, nearly two years or so uh, with Marvel Studios on Disney Plus. And overall, I'll just say uh, I think it's probably the most unique show that uh, Marvel has put out thus far, along with, you know, tons of self-awareness thrown in there. Uh, It's very meta, which I thought was really interesting Uh, It's got this episodic base that, you know, makes hints to a bigger story throughout uh, with uh, cases being solved by the end of each episode. And then it kind of has this big lead up. You know, they have this like story kind of being hinted at throughout each episode. And then there's this big payoff at the end. Uh, We'll we'll get to that, though. Uh, I say the way they went with it, uh, the way they decided to go, uh, I thought was pretty interesting uh, to say the least. So uh, episode one. We start out with uh, Bruce Banner revealing that he's developed a device uh, made for him that will keep him in human form. Basically an inhibitor because uh, we saw him during the post credit scene for Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. And uh, before that, we had last seen him in Endgame where he was in a cast, still in Hulk form, uh, in a suit and everything for Tony Stark's funeral. Uh, but in Shang-Chi, he was in human form and he had this big thing on his arm. Everyone's like, what's that about? uh so yeah uh turns out it's an inhibitor that keeps him in human form because obviously he can't go everywhere in hulk form you know if he wants to fit in a car or something like that he's gonna have to go back to bruce so uh you know there's gonna be some you know ways that you know he's gonna have to do that so obviously he can't be hulk all the time uh but i guess for the most part he stays as hulk because obviously you know he doesn't want to have to wear that inhibitor constantly and you know what you know he made that deal with Hulk. You know, they, they were just like, you know, live and let live. You know, put the brains and the brawn together and just go like that casually. So I guess he does that for the most part. Um, but uh, basically, you know, him and Jen, they're going on this drive. And Bruce, you know, starts explaining to Jen that, you know, he has this inhibitor. And then a car ship just kind of comes in out of nowhere and scares the crap out of them. So uh, the car swerves. They crash. And uh, Hulk's blood accidentally gets on Jen and infuses with her blood. And she becomes She-Hulk. And the introduction of the show uh, leads into this origin story. And it's her breaking the fourth wall and uh, telling this story. So she uh, she runs away and then wakes up at uh, Hulk's safe house, uh, which is in Mexico and uh, has a lot of Easter eggs throughout it, such as the Ravager uh, Hulk helmet, that he had on Sakaar, along with some Tony Stark stuff thrown in, uh, and things like that. Uh, Hulk explains that she wasn't killed by the exposure due to the Banner family having this special gene uh, that uh, gives them stronger abilities when they have access to gamma radiation, when they're intertwined with gamma radiation. So any other human, it probably would have killed them uh, with the amount of blood Uh, that was given but uh, she she powered through it and now she has hulk powers as a result he puts her in a chamber like puts a bunch of saws towards her to kind of test the waters with you know how much this hulk power has on her compared to him because you know it wasn't very easy for him for a long time you know they were two different personalities uh, fighting with each other but it turned out that pretty much from the beginning she had like full control of all of this you know she Was able to turn into the She-Hulk and still have the same personality and all sorts of stuff like that. Just her physical form changed. And uh, Hulk also says bruh during this, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, And then, you know, there's more stuff that goes on. You know, there's a bit of training and all that. He starts to teach her the ropes of how to be a Hulk and things like that. Uh, There's also a little tiki bar that Bruce and Tony built together and they also carved their initials and Bruce talks about how during the blip they put that whole thing together. Bruce goes on to talk about how Tony and him built this tiki bar and did, you know, basically set up this whole safe house for Bruce uh, that, you know, that he could, you know, hide away in and do his research. Uh, You know, during the blip, you know, the five years of time that went by after Thanos snapped his fingers and they were left still standing. So, you know, they kind of had to do what they had to do and then of course we have the events of Endgame five years later. Jen basically says to Bruce that she doesn't really have interest in being a superhero, despite him warning that yes, you know, while, you know, you can continue to be a lawyer, you're gonna have to, you know, deal with the fact that you are a Hulk and, you know, there are consequences to that. It's very dangerous. People could come after you, things like that. And she's like, you know, I'm just gonna be a lawyer, you know, I I don't want this. She rejects it. And then, uh, you know, they they have a fight. Uh, Hulk does the thunderclap, which we haven't seen since the 2008 movie. And then she does it, like, so many times over. And then there's, like, that little clip of her, like, obliterating him. And that's been, like, meme to death already. Uh, we cut back to the court where she's in the middle of a case. And then uh, Titania her arch nemesis from the comics, but uh, is now a superhero influencer. Uh, I'd also never heard of this character beforehand, so I didn't really know what to expect, but I I, I did think this was kind of cringy. But she bursts in, and then they have a fight. Uh, apparently, in the original cut, she was supposed to get, like, punched in the vag, but they cut it because they were like, oh, okay, maybe that's, like, a little too risque since this is Disney+. Plus um and uh, of course people were pretty mad about that like come on bro just like just let it slide but i guess disney wasn't having it there's also a post-credit scene back at the tiki bar uh where jen and, and the hulk are having a talk and uh she's trying to ask him you know a question that she asked in the beginning uh whether or not steve rogers was a virgin and uh bruce reveals that he lost his virginity to a girl he met uh on tour when he was Captain America when he was serving and uh there is a girl that he encounters in that movie that he's probably alluding to and it ends with uh her going yeah Captain America fucked but it cuts you know when she's about to say the word so yeah that's uh that's episode 1 um i thought it was a pretty good introduction uh to the show uh, overall I thought you know okay this is this could be interesting I'd like to see where they go next uh, also keep in mind um, I, did, I did not mention this when I started for some reason um, but I actually did not watch this show right away when it came out as I was on vacation in North Carolina and I wanted to wait till I was home uh, to start watching the series so I actually watched the first three episodes back to back to back and then from then on I watched them every week Uh, So episode two, I got right into, Uh, she becomes a liability for her firm because she turned into She-Hulk in the middle of the court and fought Titania. Uh, So she gets fired from her uh, position that she had. Uh, There's lots of Easter eggs on a computer monitor where they're trying to look up information. Uh, There's a pair of shoes called Iron Man 3s, which look pretty sick, and they also show this more and more uh in another episode of the series uh there's newspaper headlines such as a celestial statue uh that's risen out of the ground uh you know that happens in Eternals and it still hasn't really been addressed other than this so this was like a first time thing like outside of the Eternals like addressing the fact that there is a giant statue in the middle of the ocean you know because there hasn't really been much discussion on that so I guess They're finally addressing it. Uh, Also, the most interesting headline was that there was uh, a brawl that took place at a bar where a guy had claws on his fists. Of course, definitely referring to Wolverine. So I guess they're starting to tease Wolverine. Whether or not this is Hugh Jackman in Deadpool 3, we don't know yet. Um, But yeah, it is hinting towards a possible Wolverine appearance. At some point on Disney Plus or in a movie or something. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, we meet Jen's family. Uh, we go to her family's house and her dad asks about Hawkeye's arrows. It's like a little funny gag. Like, what happens to all those arrows? Does he like go back and pick them up? Like, I thought it was just like a funny little thing. Uh, she ends up getting hired. Uh, she goes to a bar and gets hired by uh, someone from GLKNH, which was her direct competitor uh when she was at the other uh law division but she's now working for GLKH. the only catch is that they want her to be she hulk at work like they want her to be the face of the company and all that uh so she you know regretfully like she's like i don't want to do this but she ends up going for it because you're like hey it's a job maybe this could be really cool uh they actually specialize in superhero cases and people with superpowers so uh emil blonsky is her first uh case on this new job now emil blonsky of course is the abomination who was a villain in 2008's the incredible hulk that stars the other guy who played the hulk in the mcu edward norton uh he comes back you know he's the first case and uh you know she says like, hey, you know, maybe there's a bit of a conflict of interest. He tried to kill my cousin, uh, and they were like, yeah, no, we we really need you to uh, represent him. We believe you're the perfect person for it. So she goes, she goes to the Department of Damage Control cell where he's being held. This maximum security thing. He's in this like giant pod thing, and you know, an alarm will go off if he uses his powers or something. Uh, And uh, his case of wanting to get out is honestly reasonable as he you know makes the case that he was given the super soldier serum or like a variant of it that had bad effects on him you know it was like a that that's basically what happened with hulk you know the gamma radiation was like a possible way to recreate the super soldier serum which failed and then made him into a giant green monster so uh you know same thing happened to abomination Uh, And while Hulk gets you know all this praise by society he gets locked up in a maximum security prison for all these years and uh, the Hulk has done so much more damage since and he gets no repercussions what's the what's the deal with that Um, so basically you know she Hulk has to pretty much defend him and say like hey you know he's turned over a new leaf he's a good guy now he uh, you know. He's at peace with himself and all this other stuff. Um, So uh, it turns out that uh, him and the Hulk no longer have beef. He says this to Jen on the phone uh, while he's on his way to Sakar. actually, uh, as he found out about the message, which I'll talk about that in a second. But he makes a joke saying, like, I'm a completely different person from back then. Uh, Of course, making an obvious uh, joke at the fact that uh, Edward Norton was the one that played the Hulk in the uh first movie and uh the avengers and everything after he was recasted to mark ruffalo so uh, they kind of have a little bit of a nod to that uh in here which i thought was great and it turns out he is on a ship going to Sakar to figure out what message was trying to be sent to him because it turns out there was no actual person in that ship you know they they kind of just tracked his location and uh you know they were just trying to get the message to him but of course you know the ship flies right in front of their car and Jen's driving she's going to freak the fuck out and then of course we have the events of She-Hulk uh so yeah there's this little bit of uh teasing we don't really know what the deal is yet of course you know fans at the time were like okay it's going to lead to this and of course they were right but We'll we'll talk about that and the episode ends with uh, tie into Shang Chi where the abomination was released from his cell by Wong uh, to compete in a cage match and uh, then we lead into episode three. Uh, this was easily the wackiest episode by far and probably still is in my opinion. Um, I did not like this one as much, um, but you know it was it was interesting enough, I guess. Uh, this one uh, took the silly factor way up. Uh, Wong gets introduced. They bring up his LinkedIn profile or whatever it was. I can't remember. Uh, turns out he worked at Target for nine years, which uh, I guess is an interesting fact that we probably wouldn't have known otherwise. Uh, there's a joke about cameos and expectation with that with uh, Jen breaking the fourth wall and addressing, like, oh, I know you guys are excited to see Wong and you know saying that i thought was was pretty genius uh the montage of social media reaction to she hulk starts uh you know making waves because now she's made public appearances uh there's lots of misogyny uh as you know there is a portion of fans unfortunately out there that scream woke and mcu these people suck like they they just they're just too you know set in their ways and they have a very bubbled view on the world and uh yeah they they really they really uh represent that with this show like you know with a group of people that don't like she-hulk and uh, i think they nail it honestly but we'll get to that you know when we get there but i figured i'd just throw that out there turns out wong brought out abomination uh so that he could train to be the sorcerer supreme as dr strange had been snapped away by thanos wong got uh sorcerer supreme uh due to a technicality as was explained in spider-man no way home uh but of course you know in that time you know as the sorcerer supreme you know you know he wants to become stronger you know he doesn't you know feel that he's you know either he doesn't feel that he's worthy or that you know he just wants to become stronger so he has the abomination uh be his training partner his sparring partner uh so they go to a cage match. And then we see that take place in Shang-Chi. So now it's, you know, now the projects are interconnecting with each other. Uh, so uh, Pug, who uh, is one of the side characters in the show, he works in GLKH alongside Jennifer Walters. Uh, he works with a guy who claims he was catfished by someone pretending to be Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion, of course, being a mainstream hip hop artist. That is currently in pop culture. So, you know, a real artist being drop, name dropped uh, in the show and also making an appearance, but we'll talk about that. Uh, so, you know, this guy claims that uh, he was catfished. Turns out it was a shape shifting Asgardian elf pretending to be Megan the Stallion, and he wants to sue because he lost a ton of money because he thought he was giving money to Megan the Stallion and uh yeah now he wants his money back so then the asgardian elf you know turns out she was inside of GLKH, uh and then she she turns into pug and starts saying a bunch of really horrible things uh as him uh basically saying things like you know uh he loves harassing women in the workplace and and then you know pug then comes out he's like guys i i don't you guys know me you like, like it's clearly obvious that there's two of him in the room so you know people understand that but it's like wow like that's I don't know I thought that delivery was pretty funny and then we get to the court part and honestly it was kind of cringe uh, the judge uh, gets impersonated by the elf which uh I mean in the real world that would pretty much throw out all of their credibility and uh yeah there would be no case then they, they just it would just be like a joke at that point uh i don't know it was just kind of like you know they were throwing all these jokes around and you know it didn't feel like a legitimate court case kind of felt a little too comical things that didn't really make sense i don't know that whole part of the episode was stupid anyway but uh then the parole hearing for blonsky begins uh turns out uh he has seven wives and they came to uh watch the parole hearing uh they're all wearing these matching outfits and all that it's it's a little it's a little silly it's a little silly i was kind of like this is this is weird i don't know what i'm watching here uh uh wong doesn't face any criminal charges actually for releasing emil Uh, which i mean like if you're gonna set up all this you might as well go all the way out but like you know kind of begs the question like why is wong exempt is it because he's the sorcerer supreme you know when you start bringing like law into it and also applying real world things at the same time it's kind of like how can you let this person get away with that if you're saying these things i don't know it kind of begs the question with things like that but i'm not really going to get into that i just figured i'd throw that a little bit out there she hulk uh then at night is approached by the wrecking crew uh inspired by and not the same as the team from the comics uh they're just like four of these dudes with some uh magic or some kind of super powered weapons or something and uh they try to extract blood from she hulk but uh she fends them off she pretty much humiliates them uh and uh yeah megan the stallion then comes up at the end uh and uh then there's a there's a twerking part of the episode which uh definitely exists yeah i i mean considering everything that's already come from marvel studios this was like the least expected thing uh that could have been put out by them but at the same time it's like wow like they're just they're really really throwing us for surprises like there's just tons of that all throughout here and uh it's going in ways that i wasn't sure it was going to or that i didn't expect and that was certainly one of them (laughs) In episode four, Donnie Blaze is a magician that doesn't have real magic on the surface, uh, but it turns out he has a ring that lets him open portals uh, similar to magic users like Dr. Strange and Wong, uh, and he puts the lives of his volunteers in danger for the entertainment of his audience. And then there's this girl Madison with a Y and two N's, but the Y isn't where you think it is. Uh, She was probably the best part of this entire episode, I'm going to be honest Uh, Wong would rather set a legal precedent, though, uh, about this uh, because it comes to his attention uh, and he tries to sue uh, Donnie Blaze uh, for using, you know, sorcery pretty much illegally, I guess. Uh, Then there's a B-plot where She-Hulk decides to go date hunting because, you know, she's she's lonely, she's single, she doesn't have a man in her life and she, she wants to kind of spice things up a little bit uh so she goes on a couple dates as herself and no one really cares no one's really attracted to jennifer walters so then she decides you know what let me test the waters let me see if she hulk gets the attention of these boys so so she ends up going on dates with a bunch of guys uh specifically one of them this guy todd he's a little bit of a weirdo Uh, he starts asking a lot of questions like you know you know, how, how does your skin work? You know, can it be pierced? And, uh, you know, asking things, you know, can vibranium do it? And all sorts of things like that. Calling her a specimen. Just being a real creep. We cut back to Donnie Blaze doing a magic act. And then he accidentally opens a portal. And then a bunch of demon creatures start flying out of it. It's pretty crazy. So they take care of that. Uh, he can't use magic anymore. Uh, and then uh, She-Hulk goes on a date with this guy who's like, really attracted to she-hulk but then turns out he doesn't really like jen he's only interested in she-hulk so he leaves by the time this episode ends i was saying that this was the best episode by far and i think that continued to be the case for a little while but of course you know later episodes were a bit better specifically episode eight but we'll get to that when we get there uh episode five uh titania decides that she's gonna sue she-hulk because she-hulk is using the name she-hulk and titania has now released products using the she-hulk name uh and got the trademark pretty much before she-hulk could and uh is now suing her and profiting off the name she-hulk making these cosmetic products and things like that she-hulk has pretty much hated the name that the world pretty much decided to give her but then uh, she decides, you know, maybe there's a bit of an upside to this. You know, I, I kind of like the sound of it, but she doesn't really like go publicly by She-Hulk. She kind of corrects people uh, by calling herself Jennifer Walters when people call her She-Hulk when she's being interviewed and things like that. Jill and Pug, you know, on a side mission, they they go uh, finding knockoff Avengers merchandise to kind of you know use this as like a leeway to be like oh so who really like owns the uh trademarks you know for these heroes how does that even work because because there are things like iron man merchandise and uh there's an ant-man backpack in the ant-man and the wasp Mania trailer uh by you know the little kid has an ant-man backpack so you know there's that uh and things like that you know and there there's little nods uh you know they go looking for fake avengers merch and they find things that are misspelled like you know they have the avengers and the avengers uh and uh people are saying you know marvel's probably going to trademark those now so that way they can uh stop all these bootlegs and things like that we end up meeting the designer of suits for street level superheroes in the california area Uh, his name is luke jacobson and she Hulk goes to him uh for a request uh that she has a couple business suits made because in every episode up until now she's been wearing business suits as she-hulk and she looks all blocky and awkward so if uh if luke decides to make suits for her specifically for she-hulk you know they'll look a lot more natural uh, but he wants to make a super suit as well and she's kind of like eh, i don't really want to do that But uh, he ends up convincing her and he ends up making the suit. Cutting back to the Titania lawsuit, uh, it turns out that She-Hulk remembers the fact that she was using the name She-Hulk on dating apps. So she has to end up reliving the embarrassment of uh, going on all these dates by uh, calling up all of these dates she's been on to testify in court uh to side with her saying like hey yeah she did use the name she-hulk uh, and especially the last guy that she went on a date with as she-hulk only liked she-hulk and he explained that, that like yeah i liked her for she-hulk and i didn't really like her as jen so you know it's pretty obvious that she was using the name beforehand so she-hulk wins the case titania has to take all of her products with the she-hulk name off the market and rename them or something and then the episode ends with a cut to Luke Jacobson's office, uh, where he's got a yellow Daredevil helmet that's ready for pickup. So it's teasing the fact that Daredevil will appear later on in the series. There's also a shot during the credits sequence uh, showing a bunch of shoes in Pug's uh, Marvel shoe collection with tons of Easter eggs to already established Marvel heroes and villains in the MCU, along with some uh, that may not be expected, and also ones that haven't been introduced. There's a couple X-Men and Fantastic Four references. There's a couple Spider-Man villains that are referenced, but like they have their comic book look. So like, so the Electro suit is like green and yellow, just like the comic book look. And yeah, that's episode five. I thought this one was pretty good, but not as good as the last one. Episode six uh, is a wedding episode, and yes, they do address the fact that this is a filler episode uh, because. You know, this is like a trope for a lot of shows in this style. Uh, You know, the fourth wall break, you know, addresses the fact that that's the case, Uh, you know, to tease fans and make them more anticipated for what's to come. You know, kind of just giving them a break from all the craziness and then leading up to something bigger. Jen gets invited to her friend's wedding and she debates whether or not she wants to go as Jen or She-Hulk. Because, you know, being Jen would, you know, not bring the attention away from the bride and groom, you know, just be about, you know, them and their day. Uh, or she could be She-Hulk. And because, you know, she loves the attention. She loves all the uh, all the good vibes she gets from it. And, you know, she she's just a lot happier and she can be herself. And, you know, no one really has a problem with that. They just love She-Hulk. So uh, she ends up deciding to go to the wedding as She-Hulk. But then, of course, her friend, the bride, is not very happy with her because people are drawing attention away from, you know, she's drawing attention away from the bride, you know. Now She-Hulk's at this wedding party. People want to talk to She-Hulk. So, you know, she gets mad and and She-Hulk's like, all right, I'll transform back to Jen. Jen's coworkers uh, decide to pick up a case uh, for Mr. Immortal uh, who went through multiple marriages and uh, when he was over it, he would just kill himself to get a death certificate uh, to make the marriage null and void and move on to the next one. Uh, it was It was a pretty crazy concept. Like this guy literally just can't die. So well, um, and it gets even crazier a little later on. you know, there's tons of bickering and things like that you know they're trying to understand you know there's a bunch of wives that come in and they testify against him and and then he gets sick of all the commotion that he just runs and jumps out the window falls onto a car pretty much you know that would kill a normal person but then his body just kind of morphs back into place his bones kind of go back into place and he just walks off like nothing happened <laughs> like it was it was one of the most bizarre things i've seen out of any of these things um But I was like, wow, that that was, they they, they definitely went there. Cutting back to the wedding, uh, Titania shows up and tries to fight Jen. And then, uh, you know, they start fighting and, you know, she realizes, oh, you know, Jen's not so strong. So Jen turns into She-Hulk and then embarrasses Titania. And, uh, yeah, then all the attention goes to her. But, you know, in between all that, uh, Jen runs into a guy named Josh who's at the wedding. And, you know, he seems really nice and all that. And, you know, they they hit it off and, you know, they have all this sweet talk and all that. And this guy just seems really interested in Jen. And that's like all she's wanted because all these people she's gone on dates with only care about She-Hulk. And, you know, that's only one piece of the pie. You know, if you're going to commit to that, you're going to have to accept all of it. So, you know, of course, she's just excited about the fact that someone cares about jen which she hasn't really had so they hit it off and then the fight with titania happens and and then you know the the venue gets a little wrecked and there's a bunch of you know punches to the ground and the ground erupting and cracking forward and stuff like that you know stuff we see with hulk content typically uh and the bride is too drunk to even be mad at she hulk for ruining her wedding party uh and yeah that's, that's pretty much it. Nothing really happens. Then we cut to uh, a little computer monitor showing a video uh, from another angle of Mr. Immortal jumping out of the building uh, and then remorphing back. Uh, it shows up on Intelligentsia, which is a website in the MCU. Uh, in the comics, it's actually the name of an evil group led by the leader. Uh, who was in 2008's Hulk movie and is also set to return in Captain America 4. But in this uh, project, in this MCU show, it's a site kind of like, I don't know, Reddit or 4chan where there's like a bunch of boards and stuff and people, you know, discussing things and coordinating events and things like that. And it's just a anti-She-Hulk train. They, they want to just get rid of She-Hulk, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, it's it's kind of representing the whole misogynistic viewpoint that some fans have on these characters. So they're really just going ham with that. And then the scene cuts to a lab uh, where some scientists are putting some uh, some stuff together as they are preparing some more needles so they can steal some blood from She-Hulk. They're thinking of some new elaborate plans behind the scenes. And we'll just have to wait and see what they have to offer uh and then leading into episode 7 uh Jen starts to build her relationship with Josh they end up going on some nice cute dates and it's all great and fun and then they sleep together uh but then the next morning he's gone and she just she doesn't know what happened you know he's not answering the phone and then a couple days go by turns out he ghosted her uh there's a little funny moment uh, where a clip from the Muppet movie plays where Miss Piggy is in the prison and then she like kind of rips open the jail cell in anger. It kind of represented what Jen was going through in her mind. I thought that was pretty great. She gets a call from Blonsky's parole officer. Something wrong with his anklet uh, where a signal was going off speculating he might have become the abomination again when he wasn't supposed to. Come on, man. You're, you, I hit the table and... He's, like, knocking over, and now the whole table's shaking. Jesus Christ. So because of that possibility of him becoming the abomination again, uh, to keep the parole officer safe, she kind of, you know, not really wanting to do it, but she ends up going uh, to assist the parole officer in case anything bad happens. Uh, And then it turns out nothing's wrong. You know, he, you know, everything seems to be fine. He's not abomination when they show up. Uh, and then, uh, She Hulk's car gets destroyed by a couple of uh people that are staying at Blonsky's little uh residence he has going on, little retreat place or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are a couple washed-up villains that you know they want a second chance at life. They want to be either heroic or just live their lives out. And Blonsky's running a whole support group for them. So, you know, he convinces her to stay since obviously her car's wrecked now, she can't get home. Uh so he's like, "Hey, come and sit back for a while and, you know, have a talk with us. Maybe we can help you with anything uh that you're dealing with." Uh so they sit her down and, you know, she's surrounded by a couple, you know, misfit supervillains that I guess Marvel isn't looking to make full projects on, but figured, you know, "Hey, for the sake of the fans, let's throw them in here." for fun uh and one of those members that she's sitting down with turns out to be a member of the wrecking crew one of those four dudes that tried to assault her and steal blood from her in a previous episode and they even pull the whole thing where she breaks the fourth wall and she's like yeah you probably didn't even remember who this guy was and honestly i didn't she nailed it it was it was perfect they help her come to terms with the fact that josh ghosted her and you know then she She's like, yeah, you, you know, you guys are right. Thank you. She ends up going home. And then we cut to a scene uh, where it turns out that Josh uh, seemingly ghosted her because he was actually just someone working for Intelligentsia. He basically slept with her uh, and then, you know, took a sample of her blood and then left, left her there pretty much naked in her bed. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was it. Yeah. It turned out Josh, uh, wasn't the nice guy we thought he was, which was really unfortunate for a second. I was like, Oh, this is going to be really nice. But yeah, no, he's, uh, never seen again after that. As for episode eight, it is easily the best episode in the entire run of this. Uh, and, Let me just say this before I get into my thoughts on it. Keep in mind, I've not watched Daredevil or any of the uh, Marvel Netflix shows that were out, like Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, The Punisher, The Defenders. I haven't seen any of those. I know they're on Disney Plus now. I just haven't gotten around to watching them yet. I've been meaning to, though, especially now since some of these characters are confirmed to be coming back or already have come back for Disney Plus projects and movies. I actually do plan on watching these within the next year, so that way I can make podcasts about them, uh, and especially leading up to Daredevil Born Again and other projects that will include these characters. So post-episode 50, I'm going to uh, start working on doing some binge-watching of uh, not only these shows, but other shows as well, and that way I can give you guys my thoughts on them, similar to something like this. I know these shows have a lot of praise, and uh, I'll just flat-out say this right here. Uh, my only real connections with Daredevil, at least right now, are all of the MCU things he's appeared in. So She-Hulk, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, along with this Daredevil figure that my brother had as a kid uh, that I held on to. So, um, yeah, that's that's all the connection I have uh, with this character. I don't really know much about him other than that. Uh, like I said, I have not watched the shows. I'm not a comic book reader, so yeah, that's your little um it's your little FYI, I guess. The episode opens with Leapfrog, who was a character teased in the trailers. Uh he tries to stop these two guys from stealing a TV and pretty much embarrasses himself, he tries to, you know, fly in the air and then his suit malfunctions, uh, and he wants to sue the designer, who actually turns out to be luke jacobson um so you know unfortunately she hulk has to go against her own designer because leapfrog is going through glk to sue and she has no choice but to defend him uh, basically jeopardizing her chances uh, of any future suits from luke jacobson in the process they go to court and it turns out that luke's lawyer is none other than matt murdoch himself he shows up in the classic suit and the cane and all that with the glasses and you know uh from what i've seen with like screenshots of the daredevil show over the years that this is like right in line with the show And i think that's pretty cool and the best part about this is that like the legal banter and the argument back and forth between she hulk and daredevil uh is actually really convincing it's actually really good and you know daredevil makes a good case that you know uh leapfrog Basically, you know, he was told not to put jet fuel in the boots, but he did anyway, and the suit malfunctioned, and, you know, that's, you know, that's not Luke Jacobson's fault. You know, he misused the suit, so it's his own fault that he got injured. So he actually beats the case, and uh, She-Hulk is just sitting there in embarrassment. Through this, we also find out that the Sokovia Accords have been repealed, uh, meaning that people don't have to... Uh, show the world who they really are you know their real identities as a superhero you know they can remain anonymous now again which is pretty awesome so it gives chances for people like daredevil to remain anonymous along with spider-man now that nobody knows his real identity uh, later on matt murdoch and uh, jen walters they they meet up in a bar and they have this nice back and forth and they actually have a really good chemistry which i thought was awesome she hulk then meets up with todd uh, who wants to uh, fight a legal case where Wakanda uh, is requesting for him to return a Wakandan spear that he bought uh, off the black market or something or from a museum uh, but of course you know Wakanda you know being you know preserving of you know things that were stolen from them, you know they they want it back and he's like you know he's not he doesn't want to give it up because you know he paid for it and then he pulls the whole like I'm not racist, I have black friends thing being like, oh I love. The Wakandan people and then going like Wakanda forever and like doing all that bullshit. And She-Hulk literally says to him, that makes me uncomfortable. And I thought that was great. That was great delivery on her part. She leaves because obviously she's just not feeling that. And uh, she ends up getting a call from Leapfrog, uh, sounding like he's in danger, uh, saying that he's been kidnapped. So, uh, you know, of course she goes after and tries to figure out what's going on. Uh, she finally dons the super suit that we've been waiting to see we've seen it in promotional material up until that point and now she's donning it in the show Uh, so you know she goes to find out where leapfrog is and while she's on her way there she gets ambushed by daredevil and uh, and then they have a fight and let me just say the choreography throughout this whole fight was amazing and yeah a bit of it's cgi and uh, apparently people were complaining about that but like let's be honest She-Hulk is not like an actual person you know there's no like seven foot tall person they can have there as like a as a stand-in you know it's probably you know from the behind the scenes we saw it was just Jen Walters and then like a picture of She-Hulk that you're supposed to look at and that they edited out in post or something but you know obviously with a big choreographed fight scene like that it's kind of impossible to do that and it you know, it just, it wouldn't work. So obviously they kind of had to do the whole CGI thing for a little bit. And honestly, I thought it was fine. I thought the fight was really great. You know, it was well choreographed. They went at it for a little while. And then Jen, you know, pulls the mask off, finds out that it is Matt Murdock. And she's all confused because, you know, she's like, oh, what do you like pretend to be blind? Because like, that's actually problematic. And that got a bit of a chuckle out of me. It turned out that Leapfrog had actually kidnapped Luke Jacobson. Uh, after he lost in court against him, so uh, Daredevil fills that into She-Hulk, and now that they're on the same side, they go after Leapfrog uh, in this little hideout that he has. Daredevil also educates She-Hulk on the difference between a goon and a henchman, talking about how some of them just want the money, or some people that live to serve. Then we get a hallway fight that's uh, in homage to the Netflix show uh i've seen like one fight from that show and it was like a long time ago but i was kind of getting the same vibes from the one they had in she hulk luke forgives she hulk after being rescued you know she's like i'm so sorry you know i i promise you know this won't happen again and you know all that jib jab yada yada daredevil and jen then you know sit on the rooftop and they have a conversation just about how you know daredevil thinks it's good you know to have a secret identity and that he you know he tells jen he wants to keep his identity secret and she's completely understanding of that uh and then uh she's like oh are you free and then he's like yeah i don't leave right away and then uh and then they go back to jen's house and they do the thing they do the deed which was something i was not expecting going in at all um (laughs) yeah it, it definitely happened um I was like, "Oh wow, they're they're doing that." Um, and I thought that was hilarious. Like this this show is really pushing the boundaries with what we've already understood about the MCU. Now that we're on Disney Plus, we can kind of do a bit more risqué things, you know, that maybe wouldn't fly as much in a movie theater, but we can pull it off in Disney Plus shows and it's not really that big a deal, and I guess they're really testing the waters with that with She-Hulk in some pretty daring ways no pun intended and honestly you know it's all great for jen you know she she got a w you know she she hooked up with a guy that you know was actually like a decent human being and not someone who was only interested in she hulk or only interested in jen or or somebody that you know was actually just using her to get something or get a blood sample from her or whatever the fuck and uh yeah it turned out to be really great and the episode wasn't over. Actually, um, they were leading into the fact that Jen was nominated for Female Lawyer of the Year uh, at an awards show, uh, and she ends up winning at this awards show. You know, they go and she's all dressed up and all that. She's ready to accept her award, and then uh, it gets the whole event gets hijacked by Intelligentsia. They start playing stuff on the screen all this misogynistic stuff about She-Hulk, you know, trying to frame her as a horrible person. Uh, And then they leak a sex tape that uh, the guy who catfished and uh, ghosted her, I already forgot his name. That's how much of a dickhead he was. uh, He secretly recorded them having sex. And uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was not good. And she was not very happy. So she went rage mode, which was something she had not done yet. And of course, you know, in the eyes of the public, that's like scary. So the Department of Damage Control cornerer, and the episode ends on a cliffhanger with her hands up and that's episode eight. Leading into episode nine, the finale of this, uh, I guess, first season, because honestly, let's face it, we're probably getting a season two. Uh, the introduction is an homage to the original 1970s Hulk series, uh, basically explaining The origin of She-Hulk in a uh, a very negative way, I guess, according to uh, the public's view of She-Hulk now that she's gone rage mode in public. Um, And it's alongside Bruce Banner, which I thought was like a little funny thing uh, thrown in there. Similar to old uh, lawyer ads and things like that. I thought it was a nice little uh, reference to things like that. Uh, She ends up waking up. uh, We transition to present day. She wakes up uh, in a cell at the Department of Damage Control. And of course, uh, in order for her to be released, uh, she has to promise to not transform into She-Hulk ever again. And as a result, she is now unemployed because, of course, the whole point of her having GLKNH as a job in the first place was because she was She-Hulk. She is now, of course, uh, living back at home because now she can't afford to pay for her apartment. And her mission is now to figure out who is behind intelligentsia and you know how she can put a stop to all this and get her life back. She takes up Emile Blonsky's offer to stay at his little cottage getaway retreat place and that's only because she gets overwhelmed with uh, her mom showing Jill embarrassing videos of her from college and things like that and know just trying to get to the bottom of this and having all these all these distractions you know she's like i gotta get out of here so she goes to emil blonsky's place and then in the background jill and pug go on an investigation they go undercover uh to figure out what the hell's going on with intelligentsia because uh it turns out they're having this meeting uh where all the members of intelligentsia are going to get together and uh announce this new plan to take down she hulk so Uh, Pug goes in uh, as a fake member of Intelligentsia trying to figure out all the stuff that's going on. Pug then finds out that Todd is in fact the leader of Intelligentsia. He is Hulk King, the guy that's been, you know, hiring all these people to try and steal uh, She-Hulk's blood and all this other stuff. And it turns out this whole meeting is on Emil Blonsky's property because he comes out of nowhere as a surprise guest for the event. Uh, because he got paid to be there. Uh, it turns out that uh, while he did transform into Abomination, his goal was to never be a part of this. You know, he he, he didn't want to be a villain. He was just hired. And that was all. Um, so uh, at first it's like, oh my God, like what's this guy doing here? Was he a villain the whole time? Was this whole thing a setup? Like you have all these questions going through your head. And then the show just goes absolutely bonkers uh todd injects himself with uh hulk blood uh basically turning himself into a hulk and then titania bursts through she shows up starts causing mayhem and then all of a sudden the hulk comes out of nowhere and he's like get off my cousin asshole talking to abomination then they start fighting and then jen's just looking at the screen she's breaking the fourth wall she's like What the hell's going on? There's too much happening right now. Do you guys, like, really want this as your finale? And then she does the unthinkable. She's like, I'm going to put a fix to this. She jumps. We we go all of a sudden. You know, you think, oh, did my remote fuck up or something? No, she's literally on the Disney Plus Marvel section. Pops right out of the She-Hulk show. Climbs over a couple jumps into an episode of Assembled which is a behind the scenes docu series talking about all the different movies and shows that Marvel's been making. They put those out on Disney Plus uh after a movie or a show finishes up uh and gets dropped on the platform. So she hops in there and uh she ends up going to Marvel Studios inside of an MCU show. This was absolutely the most mind-boggling thing that i have ever seen come out of one of these projects um it's so meta and knowing that writers from rick and morty were involved in this show it makes complete sense let's be honest here she goes through the studio she's looking to see you know find a writer's room or something and she actually finds the writer's room for she-hulk and she says hey uh this ending sucks uh, and all these shows have been like really predictable. They have these formulaic patterns. People are tired of seeing all this stuff. Why don't we do something different? And she requests to see Kevin. Of course, all of us were thinking, "Oh, Kevin Feige." Uh, so you know, she she fights a bunch of these security guards in the style of like you know like a action Marvel movie Marvel scene. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty great actually. She ends up getting into. Kevin's office and it turns out that Kevin is this robot uh, and it stands for knowledge enhanced visual interconnected nexus and uh, basically it's this robot that puts all the stuff together this whole formulaic thing they got going on it's all put through algorithms and and then they figure out what people like and they make that into something it was basically Marvel making fun of themselves and uh, then she's she calling them out on a bunch of flaws with She-Hulk and things like that how they're you know throwing a bunch of cameos in and stuff and you know people are seeing this whole like fight break out and they're like yeah people are gonna be pissed off they don't want to see this and she was absolutely right I would have been really disappointed if all that build-up was just Todd has Hulk powers and now they got to fight that would have been so stupid let's be honest here do we really want that? I think this ending was way better. She then starts asking questions about, oh, when are the X-Men coming? So she's really just breaking the fourth wall now, really just speaking to the fans here. And then she asks where Hulk went. You know, all of a sudden he just appears out of nowhere. Well, how come, you know, where where did he go? And then Kevin's like, oh, we're going to save that for the movie. And uh, maybe that's a little, uh, little uh, hint for the future there. I guess we'll find out sooner or later um but there's a bit more teasing with that at the end of this i'll I'll talk about that in a second um and then just like that you know she's like hey change this you know get turn a meal back into a meal don't make him abomination get rid of todd's hulk powers you know get hulk out of there he doesn't need to be there get titania out of there it doesn't make any sense uh and then it just cuts to this like typical you know wrap-up scene that we've seen a lot of marvel projects where like you know The bad guy gets arrested, the good guys, you know, reunite and all that, or, like, you know, the hero confronts the bad guy or something like that as they're being taken away. You know, your typical end-of-movie tropes. Uh, And then, yeah, they basically address the fact that, yeah, it's kind of obvious, but, you know, we didn't need this big action ending, you know, kind of, it would have sucked. So we're just going to skip that and just get to the end. Which I thought was pretty funny, actually. Todd gets arrested. Uh, Emil Blonsky gets arrested because you know he wasn't supposed to turn back into Abomination, and even though he wasn't doing bad things, you know he specifically was not allowed to be Abomination, but he broke that, so he's got to go back to prison. And then you know you got the end scene where she Hulk's family, you know she's you know she's got them all uh, outside having a nice barbecue. Uh, Matt Murdock is there. Uh, I guess they're boyfriend and girlfriend now, which is pretty cool. Uh and then Smart Hulk comes back. He's like, "Hey guys, uh you know, I uh I just got back from Sakaar. I'd like to introduce you to someone and uh it turns out it's his son. It's Scar. Uh and as someone who has not read the comics, uh I am not familiar with Hulk's uh bloodline. But um, yeah, he's got a son in an arc of the comics called World War Hulk. And uh, I guess that's what they're teasing uh, something that's going to happen sooner or later in the future. So I guess we'll have to see what goes on with that. Uh, she Hulk gets her job back and she announces she's going to be a lawyer and a superhero. And the post credit scene has Wong breaking Emil Blonsky out of prison again, uh, bringing him, I guess, to Camartage. Where he stays. And that's episode nine of She-Hulk. As for my thoughts on the show overall to uh end things, uh the meta with this show and the fourth wall breaks are amazing, especially since we haven't really seen that in this universe. Uh you know, all the appearances from Wong, Abomination, Daredevil and the Hulk were great. I really love them. I can't wait to see what the future holds with a lot of these characters. Uh, in regards to hulk related characters uh you know this wasn't the case when the show initially ended but we have learned this since that harrison ford is joining the mcu as a recast for thunderbolt ross he's going to be in both captain america new world order and the thunderbolts so he might possibly be the red hulk uh in those movies uh not only that but the leader uh who was teased in 2008's hulk is going to be the villain of Captain America New World Order. So it might be possible that uh, those two movies are going to set up a lot of future stuff with the Hulk, whether that leads to World War Hulk or other things in relation to the character. We'll just have to wait and see, but I'm really excited to see what they do with that. Of course, we have Daredevil getting his own 18-episode first season of a new MCU show, Daredevil Born Again in 2024 not to mention of course she hulk herself Uh, i don't know where exactly she could appear again maybe in captain america new world order or the thunderbolts but if anything she'll most likely be in kang dynasty and or secret wars so yeah while not every episode was a banger i really appreciated the show for what it was trying to accomplish and i think it succeeds in what they were trying to do i'm anticipating a second season i hope it's great Uh, And I'm sure it will be, considering they've pretty much laid the groundwork. Now they can just do whatever they want with the character, now that they've flushed her out. And yeah, uh, I'm really excited to see what the future of this character has in store uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, that was a very long discussion about She-Hulk, considering I talked about the entirety of the nine episodes. Uh, The raw recording right now is at an hour and 16 minutes, so... Uh, I probably cut out a lot of pauses and uh, mix-ups of words, but uh, now we're going to get into the new uh, Halloween special from Marvel. It's called Werewolf by Night. Uh, It is the first Marvel Studios special presentation. Uh, The second one is going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special that's coming out later this month on the 25th. Uh, It follows a group of monster slayers as they fight for the power from a deceased monster slayer. Uh, a bloodstone, which is attached to a monster that they're trying to uh, get it from. Jack Russell is the main character in this project. Uh, he's played by Gael Garcia Bernal, and uh, his duty is to survive the night as, all, as well as uh, take care of other matters uh, in relation to what's going on. Laura Donnelly plays Elsa Bloodstone, uh, who is the daughter of the family of the deceased. Uh, but she left the family, I guess, in retaliation or being against their values, uh, and she just wants to take the bloodstone away from them so they don't have this ridiculous power. This special is entirely in black and white, which is something that Marvel hasn't done and I thought was pretty interesting for a concept. Not to mention it's directed by Michael Giacchino, uh, who, of course, is known for doing lots of composing for a bunch of Pixar movies like The Incredibles and Up, And Coco and Ratatouille, but also plenty of other movies over time. Uh, Most recently, he composed The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, directed by Matt Reeves. And he was also the composer for the MCU Tom Holland Spider Man movies. So he composed the score for Spider Man Homecoming, Spider Man Far From Home and Spider-Man No Way Home. So with the fact that he's not only composing the music for this special, but also directing the entire project, he doesn't have to worry about coordinating stuff with another guy in regards to the score because he's doing it all himself, and it works so well. This special's fantastic. It has tons of homages to, you know, the idea of, like, the 1930s and 40s monster movies, like Frankenstein that we saw. I mean, I haven't seen them personally, but, you know, I guess people have seen them, you know, they can probably, you know, think of this as a callback to those. I will watch those at some point. All the visuals, the cinematography, the choreography, sound design, the little cigarette burns that pop up every now and then on the screen, really emulating the idea that this is like a 1930s or 40s movie or something i think that's pretty great also some surprisingly graphic violence in this compared to a lot of other projects maybe it was because of the fact that it's in black and white they can get away with more blood and things like that because i guess the redness of blood is a bit too triggering For like a PG-13 movie or something like that. So I guess they were able to do a bit more with that. Which I think is pretty interesting. Turns out Man-Thing is the monster that everyone's looking for. Because he has the bloodstone stuck on his back. Uh, So Jack and Elsa team up. They end up working together to rescue Man-Thing. And retrieving this bloodstone. You know they have a common goal. You know uh, Elsa wants the bloodstone. And Jack just wants to save his friend. Uh, So they work together. In order to uh, accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. Turns out Man-Thing's name is Ted. Which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Apparently this has gotten a laugh out of a lot of people. And I I don't blame them. It's a pretty funny moment. And after freeing Ted they retrieve the bloodstone. But Jack gets pushed back by it. uh, Because apparently you know uh, he's not what he seems. He's not human I guess. Uh, And then it turns out he is a werewolf of course by the title of the project you know it's called werewolf by night yeah he's probably a werewolf right before this however uh he ends up sniffing uh elsa so that he remembers what she smells like and that he doesn't kill her by accident and then once uh once he ends up becoming the werewolf he breaks out of the cell and wreaks absolute havoc on the bloodstone family killing all of them man thing comes and saves the day you know he ends up uh killing off uh The rest of the family, you know, because one of them had survived a little longer than expected and tried to end Jack's life, but uh, Man-Thing saved him in the process. And then it ends by them going their separate ways. You know, Elsa has the bloodstone now, and now uh, Jack and Ted can go off and enjoy their lives. Uh, Now that Ted is freed, and, uh, and then the sun comes up, it transitions into color, which I thought was really cool, and they just have a nice, wholesome moment. And uh, I I just thought it was great overall. So, yeah, it ends there. It's like a nice, uh, nearly an hour-long TV special. And honestly, with something like this, I'm really curious to see what Marvel has in store next. Uh, I don't really know what else they could do outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I know they're already working on. There have been reports of other things that were maybe initially planned to be these six to nine episode shows, but now they're going to be these one hour things instead. That way they're not stretched out to oblivion or something like that. So uh, I've heard talks. There's a, there's going to be one on Nova. They're planning on doing one for the silver surfer right before the fantastic four movie comes out. Who knows what'll happen there. There's tons of speculation in all sorts of places. Uh, only time will tell of course. Uh, but yeah, that's my thoughts on werewolf by night. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it's one of the most unique uh, Marvel projects to come out ever. And uh, I'm really excited to see what they do next. And I hope Michael Giacchino gets more directorial opportunities. This was his first directorial credit and he did a fantastic job. I hope this isn't the end for him. I hope he gets more opportunities in the future. And yeah, with that said, that's going to wrap it up for my thoughts on She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Stay tuned uh, for episode 49 where I'll be discussing my thoughts on Black Panther Wakanda Forever right when it comes out. I'll be giving my spoiler thoughts on the film and episode 50 uh, featuring a good friend of mine. So I hope you guys are excited. Uh, Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Also like the video, uh, leave a comment and subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel uh, by going to youtube.com slash Jimmy Podcast. With that said, uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, Audio platforms as well, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh anchor and yeah uh thank you guys for tuning in and i'll catch you in the next one take it easy peace